All right, good evening. 2 Timothy, as Brother Tim mentioned, chapter 4. If you would look there, 2 Timothy chapter 4. Always an honor to be able to open God's word. And I hope that what we look at tonight will be a help and an encouragement. 2 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy is a book that is very famous as one of Paul's letters, specifically being one of the last ones that he would write. Most likely the last letter of Paul's life written just a handful of weeks before he would be executed. And when you read through 2 Timothy, you see a lot of Paul's heart. You see a lot of Paul's emotion come out in his writing as he's writing to his, his son in the faith, Timothy. In chapter 4, as that last chapter really brings it all to a close. And if you just briefly scan over 2 Timothy chapter 4, you would no doubt see very quickly verses we're very familiar with. Chapter, or chapter 4 verse 1 says, uh, or verse 2 says, Preach the word, be instant in season and out of season. A bit further down, he mentions his uh, thought on fighting a good fight and finishing his course, uh, the crown of righteousness laid up for him. And very famous passages in 2 Timothy chapter 4, but it's not one of those that we're going to be looking at this evening. Paul follows a pattern in his letters that when he closes his letters, he spends a bit of time, whether it's an entire chapter, whether it's just a handful of verses, and he addresses specific people. He sends greetings. He gives comments to various people from the group he's with, to the group of the church that he's writing to. And he closes his letters with some personal greetings. And it can be sort of one of those things that's very easy to skip over, sort of like the genealogies in the Old Testament. They're not people we're familiar with, not people we know. And so we sort of just breeze over them. We've got to the end of the point of the letter. We've read all the doctrine, all the practical lessons, and now we sort of just skip over that ending. But I, for one, very much enjoy reading those sections for a couple reasons. First of all, reading those names, thinking about who those people are, it helps me stay grounded to the fact that these were very real people. They lived very real lives, just the same as you and I. It's very easy to have the mindset of just, this is the book of 2 Timothy, and just look at it sort of as sort of something separate from us as people. But this is Paul writing to very real people, and that helps remind me. Second of all, when you read them, you often get little nuggets, statements, comments about the people that he's writing to, and they can be very, very challenging thoughts. And we're going to be looking at one of those tonight in 2 Timothy chapter 4. Look at verse 10 with me. He is starting his close of the letter. And in verse 10, Paul writes... For Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world, and is departed unto Thessalonica, Cretans to Galatia, Titus unto Dalmatia. We see a man here named Demas. We see a little bit more information given about him than some of the other names. We see the phrase, Demas hath forsaken me. And so tonight, for just a few minutes, we're going to do a, a little bit of a Bible study on this man, Demas. We're going to try and extrapolate as much as we can about who he was, what led to this very, very sad phrase in 2 Timothy, and how you and I can avoid it. I don't normally alliterate my messages, but this one sort of flowed, and so it is alliterated. The title for this message tonight would be The Dangers of Demas. 
the dangers of Demas. Um, we see here mentioned very briefly, you read it and it's gone. Demas hath forsaken me. But this is not the only time that Demas is mentioned. Point number one, I want to look at Demas's devotion tonight. Put a bookmark or a pen in 2 Timothy. We'll be coming back there later. And turn to two other passages. A little bit to the right to Philemon and a little bit to the left to the book of Colossians. Philemon and Colossians. Most of these people mentioned in the lists at the end of the books, we don't really know much about. They're mentioned once, maybe twice, very briefly in passing. But Demas, we have a little bit more information on. Philemon, if you're there, it's only one chapter. If you look at verse 24 with me, it says, again, in Paul's closing, in his address to various individual peoples, he says, Marcus, Aristarchus, Demas, Lucas, my fellow laborers. We see Demas mentioned there in Philemon. If you have Colossians open, Colossians chapter 4, again, the same section of the letter, his closing, his benediction, if you will, is addressed to individual people. Luke, or excuse me, Colossians chapter 4, verse 14. Paul writes, Luke, the beloved physician, and Demas greet you. These two passages, as well as what we looked at in 2 Timothy, are the only passages in the entire Bible that mention this man, Demas. This is all that we have to work on regarding who this person is. And so for the first part of this message, I want to do sort of a little bit of detective work, a little bit of uh, reasoning, a little bit of deduction to figure out as much as we can about who this man, Demas. We see that he's mentioned in Colossians and Philemon. Those two books are very significant in, getting, in giving us a little bit more information. Colossians and Philemon were both written at the same time to the same place. I'm not going to delve into all of what the books are over tonight. That's not the point of this message. But Colossians was written to the church at Colossae. Philemon was written to a member of that church. So they were both written by Paul at the same time, sent at the same time to the same place. That gives us a little bit of foundation as to the time period that we're looking at for Demas. With that in mind, we can look at when Colossians and Philemon were written. If you would turn in your Bibles, we're going to turn to a few uh, passages over the beginning part of this message, back to the book of Acts, a few pages back to the book of Acts. Pastor has been going through Acts on Wednesday night. We'll be jumping to the end of the book of Acts, Acts chapter 28. Paul has just, he's appealed to Caesar, he's gone through the whole voyage to Rome, the shipwreck, all those different things. He gets to Rome in Acts chapter 28, the last, I believe it's the last two verses, 30 and 31, says, And Paul dwelt two whole years in his own hired house, and received all that came in unto him, preaching the kingdom of God, and teaching those things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ with confidence, no man forbidding him. That's how the book of Acts ends. A little bit of a side note to give context to what we'll be discussing tonight. But it's important to keep in mind that there are two imprisonments of Paul in Rome. The first one we read about here at the end of the book of Acts. He's under house arrest for, it says, two years there. And what happens is 
the Jews who were supposed to accuse him from Jerusalem, they never showed up. And so Paul never went to court. His trial never came. And so he would be released for a period of time. He would travel around a bit more. Tradition says during this time he would go to Spain. We don't know that for sure. But eventually, after a period of time, he would be rearrested and brought back to Rome. And the second imprisonment is the one that we often think of the most. He's imprisoned in the Mamertine prison. It would be what would lead up to his beheading by Nero. That is his second imprisonment. But this is his first imprisonment under house arrest for two years at the end of the book of Acts. And it's during this period of time that the letters of Colossians and Philemon would be written. That gives us a little bit of time frame to look at because we know 2 Timothy was written almost just before his death during his second imprisonment. Colossians and Philemon written several years earlier during that first imprisonment. Judging by the dates of the letters then, we can get a fairly good idea about how long Demas was traveling with Paul. Demas was a member of Paul's company at least from his time in Rome when he wrote Colossians and Philemon up until nearly when 2 Timothy would be written. Colossians was written around A.D. 62, and 2 Timothy written several years later around A.D. 68. Demas was not just this guy who popped into Paul's company and left. He was there for a minimum five, six years traveling with Paul, working with Paul, helping Paul, assisting Paul. Um, By the dates of those books, we can get that number. I personally believe it was a bit longer I believe that he had indeed traveled with Paul even from Jerusalem to Rome. You can disagree with me on that point. I will not die on that hill. But judging from the fact that uh, when Paul arrived in Rome, he did not know anyone in Rome. We get that from the beginning of Roman, the book of Romans. The Jews didn't know who who he was. They had not heard about him from Rome. Uh, We get that from the end of Acts. It seems sort of strange to me that Paul would have just immediately picked up this new companion in Rome. He may have. It's possible. But my personal belief is that he had indeed traveled with Paul for maybe even several years up until this point. But regardless of whether that is the case or not, we know that he was a companion of Paul for around five to six years, traveling with Paul, working with Paul. He was a close companion with Paul, and we'll look at that a little bit going forward, um, but look that he's mentioned with the, in the same breath as Luke in the end of Colossians. We know Luke, one of Paul's most trusted companions, his beloved physician. And here's Demas, right there alongside Luke. We see Demas's origin. We don't know exactly how Demas got saved, whether Paul led him to the Lord personally, whether he arrived and visited a group of Christians and Demas was there. We don't know all those details But he was a companion of Paul for quite some time, working with Paul side by side for quite some time. And with that, I want to look now at Demas' potential. Demas' potential. We know from studying the life of Paul, as we have been on Wednesday nights, Paul was fairly selective about who he he would allow to travel with him. For example, John Mark, we went over his life a few weeks ago with Pastor But Paul looked at him and said, hey, I don't know that I can rely on you. You bailed on us last time. You went home last time. You abandoned us. 
you're not traveling with us again. And that division, that split there between Paul and Barnabas over that issue, and I'm not going back into that subject, whether Paul was right or not, but suffice it to say, Paul was fairly choosy about who he chose to travel with him. Had to be somebody that he knew he could rely on. John Mark, he was worried about him running off again. So he did not allow him to come with him. Paul did not allow just anybody to travel with him. He must have saw something in this man, Demas, that said, hey, that is somebody that I can count on. That is somebody that I want to travel with me. That is somebody I want part of my missionary team, my missionary group. Think about the opportunity that Demas is now in in that position. Look at some of the other men who worked alongside Paul. We mentioned Luke a moment ago. But Silas, Barnabas, Timothy, Titus, these are all men that we hear their name and immediately we think of a work they did, a book of the Bible they wrote, some uh, event in the book of Acts that they took part of. These are common names to us from the New Testament. Demas was in this group. If we don't have this verse in 2 Timothy that we started at, when we read over Demas, we say, okay, there's somebody we don't know much about. There's somebody we don't really know, but he must have been a fellow laborer of Paul. He must have been somebody who worked alongside of Paul, and that's all the details we would have known. Um, Paul calls him his fellow laborer in Philemon. I don't imagine from the character of Paul that that is a title he would have given out lightly to somebody who didn't deserve it. Think about the opportunities that Demas had to work alongside maybe one of the greatest missionaries who ever lived. Remember, if you would, that the fact that these are very real people living very real lives. Imagine Paul reading a rough draft of one of his letters to Demas and his group. Imagine them discussing the doctrines that have been revealed to Paul. Imagine them discussing all the different things, the churches they've seen started, the people they've seen saved, the, the hearts that they've seen changed. Imagine what Demas was a part of. He was right in the middle of this. He was with Paul in Rome. He was with Paul as he's preaching to Caesar's household. He was with Paul possibly through the shipwreck on their voyage there, seeing God save Paul over and over again. This is where Demas was right in the middle. If there was anybody who was going to successfully go on and live for God, Demas would have been that man. He would have had that opportunity. Outside of the Lord Jesus Christ, I can't imagine another Christian in the Bible that I would have loved to have the time to walk with and talk to and learn from. That's where Demas was. Demas was in this position of great opportunity, great potential. And again, I mentioned it before. If we don't have this verse in 2 Timothy, that's where he stays. He stays in that position. He stays serving God as far as we know. But unfortunately, we do have that verse in 2 Timothy. Turn back there if you would. 2 Timothy chapter 4. We saw Demas's devotion, number one. He was not some fly-by-night who popped in and then popped out. He had served Paul for years at this point. He had been a trusted companion. A fellow laborer, Paul says. But 2 Timothy chapter 4, Paul is nearing the end of his life. He knows his execution date is approaching. 
And he has to make this very sad statement that we looked at in chapter 4, verse 10. I'm going to sort of skip that first phrase. We'll come back to that in a moment. But I want you to notice number two, Demas' distraction. Demas' distraction. He says, Demas hath forsaken me, why, having loved this present world. Somewhere along the line in serving alongside Paul, preaching alongside Paul, watching the miracles and all the various things that happened with Paul's ministry, Demas got distracted. He started looking around. Maybe it was in Rome, the most powerful city of the day. He started looking at the different things that this present world could offer. And something that he saw caught his attention, caught his heart, and drew him away from the opportunities, drew him away from the potentials that he had working with Paul and distracted him. Why did Demas forsake Paul? Why did he give up the opportunity, the potential that he had? Well, the Bible doesn't necessarily give us that information. All we're told is that he loved this present world. But I have a couple thoughts um, in studying for this message. These were two themes that kept coming up over and over again. Maybe they had nothing to do with Demas. I believe that at least one of them did. If not, I won't argue that. But a couple possibilities over why Demas got so distracted, why Demas forsook Paul. First of all, we see that he loved this present world. And as I was studying, as I was thinking about that, the key to this present world, very simple, it's money. Anything this world can offer, whether it's materialism, uh, whether it's popularity, whether it's fame, money is the key to this present world. I don't think it's a coincidence that in Paul's other letter to Timothy, 1 Timothy 6.10, he says, For the love of money is the root of all evil. Jesus would say in Matthew chapter 6, no man can serve two masters. We know the two masters that he's talking about because he mentions that at the end of the verse, he cannot serve God and mammon, that idea of money. Um, it's very possible that Demas started looking around, looking at Paul in prison, looking at Paul under house arrest, and then looking at the wealthy of Rome, looking at the riches of Rome, looking at all the goods that were available, looking at those two different things and getting distracted by all that Rome could offer, the riches, the uh, influence, all those different things. And it was just the only thing separating him and all of that worldliness, that present world, was money. 1678, a man named John Bunyan sitting in a English cell for preaching the gospel. And he would go on to write one of the most famous works of English literature. Most of you are familiar with it, Pilgrim's Progress. And in Pilgrim's Progress, it's an allegory. It's a story of Christian traveling from the city of destruction to the celestial city. It's an allegory of you and I living the Christian life. And there's various different people, various different traps that try and lure Christian off of his pathway. John Bunyan introduces a character who tries to allure Christian with the promise of a silver mine, the wealth, the money, all the things that come with it. Tries to lure Christian off the path 
with the offer of all that could be obtained with a silver mine. I don't think it's an accident that John Bunyan chose to name that character Demas. That love of the present world, that desire to have what this world can offer, it's very possible that Demas was lured away with just a little bit of money, with just a bit of desire to get a bit more stuff, a bit more things, add a few more things to his collection, whatever it might be. The second thing that could have possibly lured Demas away, it may have been a combination of the two, it may have been neither of these two, um, but it could have been that of popularity. In studying out as much as I could about Demas, one of the things I looked at, and very significant in the Bible is that of names, the definition of names. And Demas's name quite literally means popular. It means of the people. Think with me to the root word of democracy, government of the people. It's that same root word there of Demas. That is literally Demas's name. Paul was not a popular person. He was popular among the Christians, but everywhere he went, he received persecution, he received beatings stonings, imprisonments, shipwrecks, all of these other various things that we look at in Paul's life. He was not a popular guy by world's standards. We don't know exactly the impact that this would have had on Demas. Maybe it was just a coincidence that that is what his name meant, but it's very popular, or it's very possible that he looked at his situation. He looked at Paul in prison, and he looked at the rest of what was going on around him and said, I don't want to be associated with that man. I don't want to be known as the guy in Rome who has a prisoner companion. I don't want to fall into that company of people. And he got so distracted by trying to fit in with the Roman culture, fit in with the world around him, that he turned his back on the Apostle Paul. While either of these two may have played a role, we don't know for sure. All we're told is that he loved the present world and it may have been one of these things, it may have been both of these things, it may have been either of these things. What we do know is that he loved this present world. It says, Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. Something about this world, whether it was the money, whether it was the popularity, the fame, the influence, whatever it might be, grabbed his attention, grabbed his heart, grabbed his mind, and turned it from being a fellow laborer with the Apostle Paul to ultimately deserting him, deserting him. And with that, number three, we see Demas' destruction. Demas' destruction. We saw Demas' devotion, how he joined Paul, worked alongside Paul, labored alongside Paul. Five years, whatever the number might be, a long period of time where he was Paul's fellow laborer, but then we saw his distraction. Loved this present world. He fell in love with something about this world. And it led to, number three, his destruction. And back in 2 Timothy 4, that first phrase, we see this very, very sad phrase, for Demas hath forsaken me. Think about that statement. Think about where Paul is right now. He's in the Mamertine prison. The Mamertine prison one of the most awful prisons in the world, it's a pit. And the prisoners would be lowered into the pit. It'd be a round pit. There would be a stream running through it, keeping it very damp. 
keeping it very muddy, keeping it very moist. And the prisoners would simply be shackled to the walls of this pit. The prison system obviously was not like today. And if you did not have a friend, if you did not have somebody outside on the top of that pit, there was no food coming to you. There was no clothing coming to you. You would be quite literally left to rot if there was nobody on the top of that pit taking care of you. That is where Demas left Paul. That is where he backed out. When Paul is quite possibly in one of the worst situations, humanly speaking, Demas turned his back. Demas walked out. He let himself get so distracted that he ultimately left Paul, and we don't see his name again. We don't know. Maybe he returned like John Mark. But this is the last mention of Demas in the whole Bible, and we're left on the note of Demas forsaking Paul. He lost his great beginning. He had so much potential. He had the foundation, whether it was Paul that led him to the Lord, whether he was part of a local church and was picked up by Paul, Paul saw something in him that said, I want that person to travel with me. I want that person to be a part of my missionary team. Paul called him his fellow laborer, and then Demas left. Demas forsook him. Mark chapter 8, 36, Jesus speaking, says, What shall it profit a man if he gain the whole world? and lose his own soul. I'm not suggesting that Demas lost his salvation, but that's what he went after. He went after the world. We know that. Paul said he loved this present world. He went after the world and in turn lost things far, far more valuable. Um, 2 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10, we looked at the first part of that being the love of money is the root of all evil. But the second half of that verse, which I also think is very telling, possibly contributing to the support that it was money that lured Demas away. 2 Timothy 6, or rather 1 Timothy 6.10 says the second half, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. This is what happened to Demas. He coveted after the things of this world and he turned his back on Paul. He erred from the faith. If we don't have this verse, I mentioned it before, if we don't have this verse, we read over Demas, we see him as Paul's fellow laborer, that's all we know about him. We move on. We don't really think too much more into who he was. But we see a very sad sentiment regarding what could have been a great man of God. Who knows what Demas could have gone on and done if he had not forsaken Paul if he hadn't got distracted by the things of this world, if he had stayed faithful to his original calling, to his original goal, who knows what impact Demas might have had. But he let himself get distracted by the present world, whatever it was, it doesn't necessarily make too much of a difference as far as Demas goes, whatever it was, he let himself get distracted and ultimately turned his back ultimately walked out on Paul in one of his darkest, darkest moments, Demas's destruction. This is Demas. We don't know anything else about Demas, either from history or from the word of God. This is all that we have, these three verses and the little bit of uh, deduction, little bit of reasoning that we can do 
about the life of Demas, about the man of Demas. But I want to leave you with a challenge tonight on this subject of the danger of Demas. Each one of us, we sit here today in a phenomenal church with a phenomenal pastor. Take that aside. Each one of us have the completed word of God most likely sitting in our laps, maybe multiple copies, copies on our phones, copies on our computers, the whole word of God, the spirit of God living inside us. Um, it's hard to say that we have any less potential than Demas did. No, we're not walking side by side with the Apostle Paul. But we have Apostle Paul's writings. We have the inspired word of God in perfectly preserved for us in our language. We have no right to claim that we have any less potential, any less opportunities, any less uh, anything than Demas. We have a world around us that is getting darker and darker and darker. I am not at all saying that we are in the stage where it was like where Paul was. We are not having our heads chopped off here in America. We are not living under the threat of being burned at the stake like these men were. We have as much potential as anyone to live for God, as much potential as Demas did. However, just as we have the same potential that Demas did, we also have the same danger. That world is still just as distracting to us today as it was to Demas. That world is just as much trying to allure us away from our focus, away from our, our calling as it was for Demas. Whether it's the same things Demas fell for, whether it's money, popularity, you fill in the blank. Every one of us has a temptation to be distracted by the things of this world. The world is trying to distract us, to shift our focus away from the word of God, away from our purpose, away from the great commission, the goal of sharing the gospel, spreading the gospel. And if we don't actively, actively shift our focus away from the things of the world and back to God's word, you'll very easily fall down that same path as Demas. We must work to make sure that we are not distracted, work to make sure that we are not focused on the things of the world. It can be so easy for us to fall in love with the world and the things that it can offer. We live in the world every day. We drive about, we work, we interact. It can be so easy to focus on the material things of this world, the stuff in our everyday life, the distractions in our everyday life that we forget what our purpose is. We forget the opportunities that we have the privileges that we have of the Holy Spirit living inside of us, the opportunity to share the gospel, the word of God in our laps. We forget those, and we get so distracted by the world. We have the same danger as Demas, and we have the same risk as Demas. We have the same risk. Demas would end up forsaking Paul. Demas would end up turning his back on all that Paul had worked for, and really all that Demas had worked for, for years of his life. We have the same risk, the same danger. And at the end of the day, Demas, while he physically turned his back on Paul, spiritually he was turning his back on Christ. Think with me when Jesus was speaking to his disciples. He said, the world will hate you because they hate me. 
And in the same way, when we turn our back, in the same way when Demas turned his back on Paul, he was not simply rejecting Paul in prison. He was not simply abandoning Paul in the Mamertine jail. He was not simply abandoning Paul in a physical sense. He was turning his back on serving Christ. He was turning his back on sharing the gospel. He was saying those things of the world, the things that I have fallen in love with of the present world, the things that have caught my attention, the things that have caught my heart, those things out there, they're more important to me than all this over here, than this missionary stuff, than this gospel stuff, than this Paul stuff, than this Jesus stuff. I'm turning my back on that, and I'm putting my attention, I'm putting my focus on this present world. And that's the same risk that you and I face today. Um, we don't necessarily have that same situation of turning our back on a physical person, Paul, in jail. But when we turn our attention off of our opportunities with the word of God, off of our purpose of sharing the gospel, and we focus our eyes on the distraction of this world, we're not necessarily just turning our backs on, say, Heritage Baptist Church or a person or anything like that. We're turning our backs on what Christ has called us to. We're turning our backs on Christ. At the end of my life, I want to stand before God and hear him say, well done. I don't want to hear, man, you had such a great opportunity. Man, you were in such a great church. Mr. Bish talked about last week all the sermons that we've heard over and over, thousands and thousands of sermons that we've heard in our lifetime. You've heard message after message after message. You've heard truth after truth after truth. You've had the opportunity to study the Bible for years. You've had my Holy Spirit inside of me. You had a world around you that gave you the opportunity to share the gospel, people hurting, people needing Christ, and yet, you became so focused on the rest of the world that you turned your back on what your purpose was. You turned your back on the opportunities you had. You turned your back on me, Christ would say. That's a scary thought. We often say, yes, I want to hear that well done, good and faithful servant. That should be our goal. How do we get to that goal? Every single day, we have to make sure that we are focusing our hearts on not the things of the world, not the love of this present world, but the things of Christ. Look what Paul says. Skip, jumping back a couple verses. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7. Very famous verse. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. At the end of Paul's life, he could look back and say, I have finished my course. Paul most likely saw the same things that Demas saw. Paul most likely saw the same distractions that would end up capturing Demas's heart, capturing Demas's attention. Paul most likely traveled through the same streets, saw the same marketplaces, saw the same material things, saw the same people that grabbed Demas's attention. But Paul was so focused on fulfilling his mission for Christ on fulfilling his purpose as a Christian, that he was willing to ignore all of those things, 
to block out all the distractions of this present world so that at the end of his life, he could say, I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. At the end of our lives, we're going to have the opportunity either to say like Paul, that I have finished my course, or like Demas, that we turned our back. That we forsook Christ and what he has called us to do. That is a sobering thought for me. And it encourages me, it challenges me to live every day with that thought in mind that I want to be able to say I have finished my course. I want to be able to say I have kept the faith. I don't want to have to get to my, the end of my life and say I got so distracted by the things of this world. I got so taken off course by the allurement of the, the material things and the fame and the popularity and the power and the influence that I turned my back on Christ and I forsook his calling in my life I forsook his purpose for me. And like Demas, it would be said of me that Paul wrote, Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. If I have a choice for an epitaph of the end of my life, I would much rather it be, I have fought a good fight, I have kept, uh, I have fought a good fight, I have finished the cor my course, I have kept the faith, rather than be, for Carson hath forsaken me having loved this present world, and fill your name in that blank there. If that is our goal, if our goal is to be able to say, I finished my course, we have to live with that goal and that mindset each and every day. It doesn't happen by accident. It doesn't happen just by waking up one day and saying, oh, I finished my course. No, it has to be a day-by-day -day choice, a day-by-day -day mindset of living for Christ, of keeping the faith and not being distracted by this world. Again, at the end of my life, I want to hear that well done. I believe if I were to go around the room, that would be the statement of everyone in this room, that we want to hear that well done, thou good and faithful servant. If that is our goal, if that is truly what we desire, if that is truly what we are seeking after, that, I, that I, ability to say, I finished my course, we have to make sure that each and every day we are ignoring the distractions of this world because they're there. Just as they were for Demas, those distractions of the world try and steal our attention every single day. We have to be able to look beyond those to what our purpose is, what God has called us to. The opportunities that we have of where we sit in this church, message after message after message, the Bible in our laps, said, to, to whom much is given, much shall be required. We've all been given much. We've all been given much. What are we going to do with it? Are we going to be distracted by this world and like Demas forsake our calling, forsake our purpose? Or are we going to be like Paul who could say, I have finished my course. I have kept the faith.